0: Hi, welcome once again to Healthcare Marketing Insights for the week of June 8. I am Chris Bevelo, president of Interval, the healthcare marketing and branding firm that puts on the podcast, and I'm joined today on my left by Jackie. Hi. Jackie Rotaco, account coordinator here, and on my right by Adam. Hey, hello. Adam Meyer.
1: Getting my welcome voice back. back. Thank
0: you. Your voice is still a little gravelly.
1: Yeah, it's been like two weeks. It's kind of annoying to be sick for that long, but...
0: It's never going to end. What do you do? (laughs) What are you going to (laughs) do? Well, we thought since Adam's joined us and he's coming back from the dead here, we'd start the podcast off with some fun stuff instead of ending it. We usually end with the trivial, fun ads we hate or ads we love. Uh, But we thought today we'd start with one. And so, Adam, this is one that you've um, brought to the table, but I think we've all seen it before. Castrol,
1: Castrol Motor Oil ad. Thinking with your dipstick, Jimmy.
0: Think with your dipstick. That's you want to thinking try thinking with your dipstick, Jimmy. So if you haven't seen it, the the URL <laughs> is yourdipstick.com. dot Do you see it up there? Is it? It is. Nice. Uh, and of course, as always, we'll put uh, a link to everything we've got here: the YouTube video of the commercial and the website on our show notes. But uh, we were just watching it before. I don't think we do. We want to run it. In the uh,
1: I'll see if I can get a sound clip of it in okay,
0: there. Okay, well, tra- yeah. But it's it features, <coughs> as you can tell, the tagline, think with your dipstick, which obviously has other meanings beyond <laughs> auto <know>. maintenance. <laughs> uh, so, A, it's pretty edgy that way. And then uh, basically it features this, we believe he's Scottish, right? Looks he's like it. Dressed yeah. as a Scot, not Irish, as a Scot. Uh, kind of an angry Scottish dude running around slapping people with an actual dipstick, which I'd imagine would really hurt. I would think so. Yeah, if you hit somebody. And so there'll be some dude like me standing and talking to his mechanic and go, well, I didn't know there was a different b- difference between synthetic oils. And the Scottish Oops. guy would drop out of nowhere and go, think with your dipstick, Jimmy. And, wacky and the whack leg. him. And whack him. And that's it throughout the whole ad. <laughs> so not only is it a pretty edgy tagline, but it's a kind of bizarre Premise for the ad. Now, do you like it? Is this an ad? Oh yeah, I like like it. I like it a lot. So, what do you like about it?
1: People are getting hurt. I like the I like the (laughs) the edginess of it. The fact that somebody's getting whacked with a dipstick is pretty damn funny, if you ask me. See. (laughs) And that it's a Scottish dude with a big, full red beard running around doing it just out of nowhere. It's just it's so bizarre and unexpected that it's hilarious. And we
0: don't know why it's a Scottish dude. We don't know whether Castro is a. Scotland based company. I seriously doubt that. I think it's US based. No we should have done our homework, huh? <laughs> or if we thought, well, maybe castor oil is a Scottish concoction, but I'm sure they're not trying to draw a link to castor oil. Or that's castor oil, not even castor oil. Right. Kill somebody if you give them castor oil for, <laughs> <laughs> for illness. <laughs> so we don't know why it's a Scottish guy. But it works. But it works. Obviously, the thing with your dipstick, there's a connection. I mean, it's oil, dipstick. I get mm-hmm. that part. And I like the funny twist. But, but, yeah, the Scottish guy kind of pushes it over the top. So there's an ad yeah. we love right off the top. Not a health ad. Not sure we're going to see a hospital thinking with your dipstick. Think with your stethoscope, Jimmy. And then beating people, people with people. it. Beating yeah. people with <laughs> Plus it doesn't have that double entendre that we like so much. I'm sure we could spend the rest of the show coming up with a few. But <laughs> let's, not, let's not go there. Let's go from that trivial, fun segment. Thank you, Adam, for bringing that. To one that we dove into last week that we swore we would never talk about again, which is reform. Yeah, yeah. And I'm not going to talk about it because it makes my head hurt. But since then, <laughs> um, and all of our heads hurt after that. Well, Adam, mm. you didn't participate, but just listening to it. My head hurt anyway. You got sicker, didn't you? <laughs> I did. <laughs> but since then, uh, I've come across a couple of articles that I'm just going to reference. I won't get into them in detail, but they're great reading. So if you are a healthcare marketer or anybody who wants to dig in on reform uh here's a couple of good places to start one was an article forwarded to me uh in the new yorker called the cost conundrum what a texas town can teach us about Healthcare." and it's written i believe by a surgeon which i thought was interesting but it's a great article it's written in a in a way that is accessible to anybody so it's kind of written as a story and what he does is he looks at McAllen, texas which apparently is the second most expensive town or city in the United States when it comes to Medicare expenditures. So in 2006, Medicare spent $15,000 per enroll enrollee in McAllen, Texas, which is twice the national average. And to kind of hit that home, the income per capita in McAllen is $12,000. So as the article says, Medicare spends $3,000 more per person than they actually earn in McAllen, Texas. And what it does is it looks at why is that? Why is it so expensive? It compares it to, I believe, El Paso, the market in El Paso, which is very similar in size, very similar uh, in many ways to McAllen, uh, but does not have near as high uh, an expense when it comes to Medicare. And and he he looks at all the different things. Is it because people are unhealthy? Is it because it's really expensive care? Uh, Is it because it's bad quality care? What's going on here? And he's able to kind of get it down to – in this case, the culture of the uh, provider community. Very entrepreneurial in McAllen, uh, very profit-driven. And so there's way more care mm-hmm. in McAllen than in El Paso, for example. And he kind of draws the conclusion that that's because the doctors have an incentive to drive it. There's a physician-owned hospital in McAllen. Uh, but just the culture in that community of the physicians uh, and, and how that varies between community to community could alter. How much it costs. So, in other words, uh, instead of saying, here, take this pill and go home, take some aspirin and go home, they may say, let's do an MRI, let's do a CAT scan, and let's do this, uh, all of which drums up costs uh, and helps those physicians. So, uh, you may or may not agree with this conclusion, but it's a very good article that looks at what the different reasons for our healthcare situation could be. So, I recommend that. And then the other one, which is a quite drier read, is in the New England Journal of Medicine, an article by Michael Porter uh, called A Strategy for Healthcare Reform Toward a Value-Based System. Michael Porter is one of the most respected thinkers on business strategy in the world, and he's written all kinds of things. He's done a book on healthcare, so he's not just healthcare-specific, but recently he's been diving into that. And he kind of gives his, I don't know, 22-point recommendations, Uh, and it's written like you would imagine somebody who was a big thinker in strategy might write. Mm-hmm. So when you compare it to the New Yorker, one is like nice fireside reading and the other one's like <laughs> keep all the lights on and have lots of coffee and reread and reread. <laughs> uh, but it, it's good stuff. So the, the New Yorker kind of gets into, well, what are the issues and, and looks at it that way. Uh, while Michael Porter covers that, he looks more at here's how we get out of it. Uh, and given how complex and deep the changes are that he's recommending uh, not sure how optimistic I am that we could get where he's going. But anyway, I just wanted to make sure that we didn't throw the grenade out last week and then leave people hanging. So we'll continue to bring that kind of stuff to the table. You guys haven't read either of those? No, I haven't. You should read the New Yorker one. It's really good. And it makes you think about uh, whether physicians should be in a position to benefit from the care mm-hmm. that they provide. Uh, it's hard in this country to say no to entrepreneurialism and to capitalism. But, uh, boy, it sure shows how it can go awry. Right. Okay. So another thing we want to talk about was pricing, uh, which we touched on a little bit uh, last week when we were talking about reform. But I wanted to talk about a little bit about or in context of marketing because we're hearing more and more about pricing. And, And what triggered this for me was an article I read yesterday and it's titled California Hospital Price Comparison Website Criticized Over Data so before you guys read this article uh, California government put up a website comparing prices and somebody complained who do you think complained the the website uh, had 28 surgical procedures at hospitals in California and what it would cost so this went public who do you think is complaining the loudest about this website
1: providers i would imagine yeah
0: yeah yeah the uh hospital association of southern california representative jim lott said that database is meaningless there's no relationship between the price on that list and what your insurance company has negotiated so what he's talking about is we mentioned this last week a little bit what they're publishing is kind of the manufacturer's retail the sticker price of a procedure which nobody ever pays Uh, And it is an issue when you talk about pricing. Whenever we talk about pricing, uh, somebody always jumps up and kind of slaps our wrist and said, well, that's not really pricing. That's, you know, pricing and cost are very different, and you can't nail down pricing. Um, It's interesting to us here in Minnesota because uh, the Minnesota Hospital Association actually created their own website. So they got out ahead of of this, uh, and instead of having the government do it, which they did it to, the state did it, uh, but they created their own. So you don't hear the pushback from the hospitals in Minnesota like you're hearing here in this article from California. But it raises the question, uh, and the guy's got a fair point. I mean, this isn't, as as does the state, the state saying, hey, this isn't the end-all, beat-all. This is the starting point. Mm-hmm. It gets tiring to hear providers constantly push back on this issue. Well, we can't really tell the prices, and the prices depend on the patient and the insurance coverage and blah, 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 blah. That's all fair, but it gets old because it's just a convenient excuse, a a legitimate but convenient Mm -hmm. excuse. But it begs the question, will we ever get – do you guys think we'll ever get to a point where there is clear, transparent pricing in healthcare, Where it's clear to understand from a patient's perspective, Mm -hmm. this is what it's going to cost, and let me compare that to hospital X and hospital Y and hospital Z. Because we're not there yet. We're trying to get there. Mm
1: -hmm. I feel like it'll still be – far down the road, but...
0: Yeah? Why do you think I'm hopeful. That? You're hopeful?
1: Just how many years have passed already and, I mean, baby steps I suppose, but... Yes. Still.
0: Teeny tiny baby steps. Yeah, I don't know. Well... If all
1: of healthcare was private, obviously there would be a incentive for that. It would, it would happen, because that's just how it works with private businesses. I mean, you, you outprice the next guy and that that's the competition drives right. pricing. Right. It doesn't happen that way in this interest in, in this industry. <clears throat> you know, I think of my own situation and with uh, the health plan my wife and I are on and you know, being that she works for a hospital, she gets, she pays less for her own care if she stays within the organization she, within that she works within. So Right there, that, that alone affects pricing for us, which doesn't affect pricing for anyone else. I mean, right. so, I, so I'm just thinking about our own situation.
0: Um, I don't know. I don't know. Well, the, the challenge is you hear so much about consumer-driven healthcare, And the promise of consumer-driven healthcare is, look, there's no way we're ever going to control costs until the people buying the product actually influence and understand what they're spending. And mm-hmm. up until recently, consumers' patients have had no clue because they've been protected by insurance so i'll pay ten dollars i don't care what the cost is there's no way to impact uh, demand without that uh, but if we're then saying that well boy we can't get a handle on pricing then does the promise of consumerism go away and, and it makes me think of the article we mentioned in The New Yorker you know if the, if, if we're saying that we need to control the cost of health care and one way of doing that is making sure that consumers control what they spend, uh, but maybe it's it, it's mm-hmm. the consumers aren't the ones driving the demand of it. In many cases, it's physicians, it's providers, right? You know, the the in some cases it's the consumer, but when the, when you walk into a physician and there's something going on, and you know you're not the one going, well, I've got enough money for an MRI, and then let's also try these drugs and blah blah blah. It's the providers that are driving that. Now, the consumers, you would want to have a say in that decision, Mm -hmm. right? But they're not qualified to make it from a clinical perspective. Uh, And I'm not sure we want them making it from a pricing perspective either because, well, I can't afford the MRI and I can't afford those drugs, so... Right, You know, that's going to be expensive for all of us. So anyway, this, we're getting into reform again, aren't we? (laughs) It's inevitable. But it it matters because from a marketing perspective, pricing is one of those classic P's that we talked about a few times ago, right, Adam? Mm -hmm. Uh, And in in a normal industry, how you manage pricing and how you position yourself around pricing absolutely impacts how you go to market. So, you know, will we ever see hospitals positioning themselves around price points like we see in cars or clothes or retailers? The dollar store Mm. versus Walmart versus Target versus Macy's versus some exclusive, you know, Michigan Avenue or Times Square retailer Uh, or in cars. You know, GM, that's one of the reasons why they're going down the tubes is their brands got all blended together. It used to be that, you know, as you moved up in your career, you moved up from a I don't know how it went to a Chevrolet to a Buick to an Oldsmobile to a Cadillac. (laughs) I mean, that's there was price positioning to all of those. And now it's the you know the Oldsmobile Buick or whatever Arnold T. Pants drove from <laughs> from Fletch, right? So will we ever see that in healthcare? Should we see it? I mean, would you ever want to go to a low cost hospital, the dollar store version of a hospital? Probably not. Uh, maybe. Really?
1: I don't know. I don't it depends know. on what I was going
0: for. Have you been to a dollar store recently? Yeah, I suppose well, I'm, it depends I'm, on. I,
1: I I wouldn't say I'd go to the dollar store version, but I'd. Maybe go
0: to the Target version versus the Bloomingdale's version, or you know whatever. Sure, sure. So maybe there would be a a dollar (laughs) store version, but there could be a Target version, and there certainly could be a Macy's version or a boutique version. Right. Mm -hmm. We already see that in some of the smaller kind of clinics and physician offices, Uh, but it's it's rare that you see. I don't think you see any hospitals or providers right now positioning themselves. You'll see specialty. Center So cosmetic surgery is a great example yeah, um, where it's more retail oriented and providers will position themselves for the upper crust and they'll put their offices in the Tony port of town and mm-hmm. um, provide all kinds of spa services and that kind of thing. Uh, but that's elective right. stuff. That's not you know acute care, primary care, specialty care right. stuff. So all of this is just interesting to kind of think through. We talk about pricing quite a bit, and we talk about the power of consumerism and how hospitals should respond to that. Uh, But, you know, kind of begs the question, will we ever get to a point where you'll know what the price is? I don't know. It's very difficult. I still, like you said, Adam, I think of myself and my son broke his arm last year and uh, we had seen a orthopedic surgeon who helped my daughter when she broke her arm. Mm -hmm. And we went right back to him because we liked him. It was convenient. Uh, We have a $6,000 deductible. So he's saying, well, let's try to avoid surgery. Well, that sounds good, right? Let's try to just, they tried to like mend it in place. They didn't actually go in and move the bones around. Yeah. But he had to do that three times. So eventually we're like, oh my gosh, we're going to go back. (laughs) And every time it's an x-ray before, you manipulate it. It's an x-ray again. Uh, And then in the end, we had blown through that deductible pretty darn easy. It's amazing what a broken arm would do. (laughs) And my son, Jack, had pins put in Mm -hmm. to hold the bone in place. Uh, And the surgery was like in October. And he was right at the age where they weren't sure whether or not you could leave the pins in. An adult would leave the pins in. But if they're a kid, you want to take them out because you never know down the road, right? And so he was right on the border. And the physician was like, "Eh, you could leave them in. You could take them out. Um, But unfortunately, he was saying this in front of Jackson. And he was saying, well, you know, if he leaves it in, he breaks it later. There could be metal in his arm and blah, blah, blah. You know, Jackson's turning white as a ghost, (laughs) scared crapless. We leave the meeting and Jackson's like, I want him out. I want him out. And so, you know, we're like, oh, geez, well, that's going to be another. That would wipe out another deductible. So we went to the physician. We're like, hey, you know, it sounds like we can get this out clinically. That's okay. Can we get it done before January 1? Can we book this surgery before the end of December? Mm -hmm. Because then it's free to us. Mm hmm. Otherwise, you know, if it was January 2, it would wipe out this year's deductible in one fell swoop. So anyway, none of that did we consider pricing, price shopping. Mm -hmm. We never shopped around for a better surgeon. But anyway, maybe that's just so far down the road. There are many people out there that would say we should never even be in that situation. We should never even have to think about pricing, kind of Canadian style. I had lunch with a physician earlier this week. And we were talking about all this. And he's like, I'll tell you what. And he was classic physician. I'll tell you something. There's only two countries in this world that have single-payer health care, Canada and North Korea. So I don't think we're going there. <laughs> he was pretty convinced that we weren't going to have that. And it doesn't look like we are. But it's,
1: it's pretty surprising that we're at where we're at, really. I mean, it, the sense of entitlement, not only here but in, in, in a lot of places, just blows my mind to a certain degree. Sense of entitlement from to healthcare. Well, why, okay, why, let's why, talk about why, that. why do we? Why do people? I mean, this and this is just going. This is getting into politics <laughs> and personal yeah, rants. Right. But why? Why do people feel they are just entitled to it? You know, there are a lot of a lot of <clears throat> is with any other service or product. A lot of development time goes into it, and research and creative thinking to come up with whatever the product or service is, and Take anything You don't feel entitled That you just deserve it Yeah But, but then that, all of a sudden Healthcare is like I did I did nothing To come up with Whatever this is But yet I feel I deserve I, I, I deserve it
0: Well I think it falls Into the camp of things That people feel Yes they have a right to Because it's not a choice Another example would be food <clears throat> Do you have feel like well, hey, you know, it's up to you whether you want food or not. I, I wouldn't put those in the same camp. Cause a lot of people do.
1: Well, yeah, I just don't think it's fair to put those in the same camp. Food is... Well, both are need, needed need to need live. Food.
0: Well, So that's how people lump them together.
1: Yeah, but food wasn't... Food exists on the face of the earth without being created by man. I mean, we, mm-hmm. we created health drugs and yeah. these procedures. Yeah. You know, those are man-made things. Food right. Food is not a man-made... Well, some um, Twinkies and stuff, obviously, whatever. <laughs> <laughs> hopefully man. Not. so I, I don't think there's a direct comparison i mean i understand what you're saying <clears throat> i feel entitled to food because somebody that i can if you go back to your roots you can go out and friggin dig up whatever you know eat slugs sure. and stuff you can survive off of nature nature doesn't provide you with health care
0: right but what i'm saying is you know that's that's one one way to look at it. another one is what do you need to just survive in the world or To take even broader, what do you need to survive as a civilized society? For example, we have decided in this country that everyone, every single person deserves the right to education. Mm -hmm. Everybody. Right. And we provide for it. So folks will say, well, it's the same kind of thing. You know, we believe to be a civilized society— we have to have veggies. There's other things too, and food is one of them. That's I, why we iPhone. subsidize so much. The iPhone for me, <laughs> for you, <laughs> get that on the constitutional ballot there. So food's one, security's another. You know, we provide fire departments, we provide police, uh, and so a lot of folks would lump healthcare. But you're that. right. You're
1: right. And I guess I saying I'm just surprised or mind blown maybe is exaggerating a little bit because obviously to be in, a, in a, a civilized society, these
0: things have to exist at a certain level right at a certain level but like we talked about last week if you're going to let everybody have everything you know we don't let everybody have every food we don't let everybody have every educational opportunity right right everyone's not guaranteed to get into harvard or yale Mm -hmm. so so you could apply that to healthcare too it just gets trickier then because now we're talking about life or death right you could argue that with education but uh all right that's we're getting too thick again (laughs) <laughs> all right, let's talk about one more thing here and then we can sign off. Uh, we keep getting into these politics of healthcare marketing. Well, it's pretty easy to do. Unfortunately, <laughs> you, just, you just can't like, turn left or right without getting into it. And, it, and it. and you don't see a lot of this stuff in textbooks. You know, it, it's one of those things where once you're in it and you, you experience it, it doesn't matter how much you know about strategy and how, much, how creative you are and all these things. If mm. you don't know how to work your way through the politics, of an organization or an industry. It's why so much of what works doesn't go anywhere. Right? Right? So we did a blog post this week and I'm going to I'm going to try to I know how to spell it, <laughs> but I don't know how to say it. So we went online and we got some help here. Hang on a second. So it was called healthcare marketing secret and unfortunate. <laughs> I think it's raison d'être. Raison d'être. Here we'll play it. Let's see if it works. Here. <laughs> Oh, that's not working. Hang on. We had this all set up, but, of course, we're having technical difficulties. <laughs> Hang on. Well, that's just raison. That's not working. No. <laughs> and now you recorded yourself. <laughs> no. <laughs> no. he's not retarded. Okay, here we go. Raison d'être or raison d'être. What? So we're not French, so there's no way for us to actually. I'll, <laughs> t- I'll play for you one more time. Hopefully. No, see, now the iPhone's not working. Okay, one more time. D'être. Oh, raison d'être, raison d'être, oh. <laughs> raison nice. d'être, mm-hmm. That was very helpful. Well, we know what it means, right? Reason for being. Right, All right. Sorry, that was, that was that was not nearly it was the a payoff. Struggle. It was not <laughs> the payoff we were hoping for, audio-wise. Auto, <laughs> but the blog post was about how so much of what happens in marketing and healthcare is driven by political pressure. So, you know, the, the joke was, look at your last marketing initiative. What did you document for a goal? So raise awareness or raise volumes or whatever. You know, how many people actually documented uh, used photography style by the CEO or orthopedic surgeon <laughs> wants consumer advertising, so we have to do it. Or, you know, this surgeon's been a pain in the butt for six months, so just to shut him up, we're going we're gonna to do some direct mail. You never see that documented, but how often does that play a role? Or how often is that the driving force behind initiative? How, I mean, what what percentage would you put on that? It's probably not a high percentage that that's the driving reason, but yeah. I would say 10 to 20%. Yeah, I'd maybe even...
1: I'd, I'd say I'd say up, even up to thirty percent
0: of the of the marketing campaigns or initiatives are driven because of these reasons, not internal, because of marketing internal strategy, internal
1: poc- politics, yep. bureaucracy.
0: Right? Yeah. Yeah. Sounds fair. Which is sad. Now the, the blog post talks about hey, this probably happens in every industry, right. and it happens in different disciplines. Yep. So I'm sure there are politically driven decisions in HR and finance and IT, uh, but that's not really an excuse. You can't just say, well, you know, it happens everywhere else, so whatever. This is the world we live in. Uh, and, of course, it's easy for us to say that because we're on the outside. We don't have to live with this garbage day in and day out like our poor clients do. Uh, we do. I mean, we live with it with them.
1: We live <laughs> with it with
0: them, but we can always turn to the new client and go, oh, here's somebody new, and I'm sure it won't <laughs> be happening there. And right. there's always that three to six-month honeymoon. You run into, and then you run into their <laughs> politics. And then you run into their politics, <laughs> and you just wait for a new client to come along. You go, okay, <laughs> this will be the one. But it's it's very frustrating because you see how much energy is wasted, how much money is wasted, and you just wish folks would have the ability to stand up and say, you know, this doesn't make sense. This is, this is wrong to do it. But we've seen folks try to do that. Mm-hmm. Uh, and typically, you know, marketing just is not in a power position. So they're, even when they're able to do that, uh, they get overturned, they get overruled, they get marginalized if they try to do it too much, uh, maybe even forced out. So unfortunately, we yeah. see far too often that they just accept it and they don't even put up a fight ever when something ridiculous comes across because they know that they've just been beaten up so many times. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's a sad state of affairs, I think, for hospitals and health systems. And I don't know what the solution is. We kind of put a call to call the audience quit. of Quit. That's one solution (laughs) quit. Yes. Imagine if you, imagine if you were quitting, wouldn't that be awesome? Like if you were a VP of marketing at a hospital and you were quitting and you knew it, but you hadn't told anybody yet. And so you could, like we suggest you could put on a strategy brief, you know, all right, we're going to do this orthopedic campaign. I'm going to make sure that the C the, the leadership council approves it. And on there, you put the goals, keep Dr. Smith happy, uh, you know, run billboards because everybody else does, whatever the political thing, just put them in paper and watch the crap fly. I wonder if the the crap would even fly or they'd look at it. Yep. Okay. I I think that if you actually documented it, there would be enough people, especially if you put it in front of a board, a lot of board of directors would go, are we seriously spending this much money for this reason? Well, let me talk to this jerk. You know, I'll tell him what's going on or whatever. Um, I don't know. Maybe that's pie in the sky thinking that would happen that way. (laughs) <laughs> it certainly would make some people uncomfortable. Yeah. Don't you think? Yeah. Yeah. Is that a good thing?
1: Just quit. Just quit. Just give
0: up. It can't be just quit. We can't have our, our listeners quit. <laughs> that's not that's, that solution doesn't work. Well if if anybody out there has uh I'm gonna assume everybody who's listening to this has run into this because we run into it universally everywhere and we Mm -hmm. hear about it from everybody. Uh, But what I don't know is how people deal with it. You know, the only solution we really give is, you know, balance, pick your battles. Uh, Unfortunately, sometimes you may have to give on silly things, but hopefully they're small, silly things, Mm -hmm. not large, silly things. And uh, just pick your battles and try to fight the important ones. But uh, I would love to know if others have recommendations that are a little more specific than that again easy to say eh, just pick your battles i'm sure that's what napoleon's consultant said <laughs> how do i win this battle in europe well just you know a little balance napoleon pick your battles <laughs> you might want to go to that place called waterloo we've scoped that out that looks like a that looks like a win-win right there <laughs> all right then should we wrap it up sure no more french for me i was just gonna say we've talked scottish french did we talk scottish well the, oh, the dip, dipstick, dipstick, yes. thinking, with dipstick <laughs> thinking with your dipstick jimmy thinking we your raison d'etre i can't even do either so when i blend it together i just sound like southern moronic <laughs> all right we'll we'll, we'll <laughs> end up there so this is chris bevelo adam meyer
1: and jackie retackle thanks
0: for joining us again and we will talk to you next week